Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality and creating change. Today, Collections by Michelle Brown is taking a road trip to Pontiac, Michigan to visit the Pontiac Creative Arts Center. Pontiac is the county seat of Oakland County and about 12 miles north and slightly west of the Detroit city limits. Since 1964, the Pontiac Creative Arts Center has continued its mission of cultivating arts and culture in the community through exhibitions, education, and outreach. From October 12th through 26th, the Pontiac Creative Arts Center, in partnership with the Oakland University Pontiac Initiative, will present Pontiac Pride, Kaleidoscope of Expression. The exhibit's goal is to showcase the varied works and talents of LGBTQ artists. Center board members Ronnie Karpinski and Patricia McCahan are here to talk about the October 12th event and exhibit. Submissions have been received mainly from Southeast Michigan area, but there have been several from across the state of Michigan and even as far away as Florida and California. The center's new executive director, Judy Wilson, will also share her plans to continue to make the center a place to showcase the area's creative base and celebrate its diverse community. The Kaleidoscope of Expression exhibition is free to the public and takes place from 6 to 9 p.m. on the 12th. The center is located at 47 Williams Street in Pontiac, Michigan. Ronnie, Patricia, and Judy, welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. How are you all today? Welcome you all and welcome you all to Collections by Michelle Brown. Ronnie, I've been to this spot like for Halloween parties and it's a, a great spot. But can you tell us how did this come to become the Pontiac Creative Arts Center? And how long has it been around? How'd you get involved? Sure. So the building was uh, erected in 1898 and it was the first subscription library for the county of Oakland, so Oakland County. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a library until 1960s, and that's when the city decided to build a new library downtown on Pike and Woodward. And uh, in 1968, the city uh, allowed the Pontiac Creative Arts Center to come in here, and and we've been here ever since. Mm -hmm. So... And one other thing about this building is that it served as, I'm not sure the proper term, but it was a hospital after World War One and World War Two. When the troops came back to the state of Michigan, they would come to, if they were in the Pontiac vicinity or the Flint vicinity, um, they would come to this building and they would stay until their families came to pick them up. Mm. So, which is I pretty cool. I think it's cool. called the Holy House. Yeah, that's all I was going to say. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I look at this space, I don't really see a library, <laughs> you know? I mean, because it's sort of set up, it has like uh, a, a performance space, it's got a balcony. Did a lot of change work have to be done to create this space? 
So in the main gallery space, there I've seen some photos of the inside. Uh, they closed off a few windows to so where the stage is. There's a few windows behind here that you can mm -hmm. see from the back of the building. Uh, but the stacks were across the main gallery space. Um, and actually, the one interesting thing that a lot of people mentioned who had been here when it was a library is that it used to have cherry wood hardwood floors. Mm. And now it has parquet floors. So mm -hmm. it's always like the first thing people usually say. There are also some stacks on the second floor. Um, and I'm not sure about the basement. I'm not sure what they did with the basement. So mm -hmm. I know the stage was always there, but it, it used to look different. I think I'm not sure what decade they would have changed it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, and the, the current the director's office was the I believe it was the um, director the library director's office as well. I, I want to say that that's how that was. No, no, I think there had to be some sort of um, support offices, administrative, but I'm working on our new gift gallery, mm -hmm. and we sort of labeled gift gallery, office, conference room, main gallery, upstairs gallery. Um, there's some plumbing there. Mm. So I, there was like some, there must have oh, been yeah. a teeny little kitchen <laughs> of some sort. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that the bathrooms are original, uh, that plumbing, but... Uh, that was kind of an interesting discovery. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's nice. Mm -hmm. So, Ronnie, how did you get involved? So, back in 2011, when I, I moved to Pontiac in 2011, and um, but I started hanging out here probably in May of 2011, and I just remember seeing a postcard for Hispanic Heritage, um, mm -hmm. the exhibit, which was in, it's in September of every year. Um, and I, I came to the event with my husband, Mike McGinnis, and we, it was the first time I ever came to this building and I was just shocked at how amazing it was on the inside. Um, I mean, I like old buildings. This is, again, it was built in 19 or 1898. Um, and the exhibit that was put on, it was, it was not only um, two-dimensional art and three-dimensional art, but it was also performance art. And there was um, some dancing that was going on. And I just thought, what a cool space. Never would have known you drive, you, I drove past on William Street and never even, I mean, I saw the building, never really looked open. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. but when I when I came to that event, I was just hooked, and I came to every event. Uh, I think the following event was for the quilt show in, in December, um, and then Arab American History or Heritage, uh, which is in May, and then I just I would come to every event, and then in 2015 I was asked to join the board. Mm -hmm. So I do finance for a living, and so. Every nonprofit usually needs someone who's got a finance background, so it's a good fit. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, they always do. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it is. It's sort of like that part when you think of Pontiac. You know, Pontiac is like you think of Detroit. And yep. if you think of Detroit, you think the DIA. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, my experience, mine of my favorite places is the main library, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's why I guess I'm looking around and going like, oh, wait a minute. There's not enough space. But um, people think of Pontiac, they think of automotive. Yep. Um, many people think of what happened to Detroit, but probably w worse happened in Pontiac because it was so built about it. But here is this gem, this gem of culture, I mean, which uh, and arts, which is like really great. Now, Patricia, you and I were talking because you and I share yeah, the history of the cast. Cast quarter. The whole cast quarter thing. They can call it Midtown now, call it what you want. But you know, I mean, you know. Part Back when I was uh, living there, it was the cultural center. Oh, yeah. I and, I, that. and I'm saddened that we lost that title mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah. 
Well, I'll tell you. I went to Cast Tech. Oh, and, cool. Okay. And okay. now the days, my extracurricular mm-hmm. activities, when I decided to do my own personal studies, I would go to the DIA. And so that whole area, like I knew people who were artists, who were poets, and it, it has influenced me. And I still say, besides the library, the DIA is one of my favorite places, but it has changed. Now, you're an artist, and, uh, that, and we were down there. Yeah, I mean, We were down there. You were at CCS. Well, I, uh, I got my, um, my first degree at Wayne State University in um, interior architecture, and then um, I met my late husband there. He was uh, um, a transportation designer, so I used to hang around CCS, mm-hmm. and then I went back to school and got my second degree at CCS. Mm-hmm. But I lived down there, and I know exactly what you mean. You, you know, you become part of that fabric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and there were a lot of people we were talking about, a, a mutual friend of ours, Charles Alexander, Absolutely. who's an artist, who's, who's uh, put his art there at the Scare Pub. You could always find someone who was doing it. What move brought you to Pontiac? Um, we, it, it saddened me to leave, leave the city because of that energy and that vitality that was right down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we did it because... Um, Chrysler had moved their headquarters mm-hmm. and uh, as much as my husband loved cars he hated the commute so he's like we gotta move and you know you just get to a point where life changes and you have to move so we moved to Bloomfield um, and actually not far uh, this between Pine, um, the the city limits between Pontiac and Bloomfield mm-hmm. he passed away I got rid of the house and I'm like I want to go to Pontiac so mm-hmm. Was yeah. it, did, were you seeing something from your artist view. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I felt like um, like I just couldn't be productive. Uh, I needed to kind of go back in, in a situation where I was, which was down at the, at the Cultural Center of Midtown. Mm-hmm. And I thought, where can I seek that out? But I don't want to go back down there. I just felt like, let's go to a new chapter in my life. So um, I headed north. And um, I found a great place, and then I was invited to a party um, of mutual designers who live in Pontiac, and that's where I met Mike and Ronnie. The next thing I know is Mike invited me to attend a um, a planning meeting for um, the art crawl, and then um, one thing led to another, and Ronnie asked me one time, do you want to be on the board of the Pontiac Creative Arts Center? I'm like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I feel that I've got a really... Um, nice interesting skill set that I can bring here so I'm a, I'm a designer so I approach things a little differently I'm a much more of a problem solver and then to me those problems are solved extremely creatively I don't approach it the other way around I don't come in with a creative mindset I come in with a problem solving mm-hmm. and so yeah. So what have been the problems that you felt the need to solve here at the center, at this space? Um, well, I, I, what my issue is, is, um, you know, Michelle, you understand, and, and we all do, like the artist community, it's really vibrant, but as a career choice, mm-hmm. and I teach at uh, College for Creative Studies, and I always say this to my students, you've chosen a profession that a lot of people don't really value. Mm-hmm. We're always having to justify what we do, and everyone feels that they are just as creative or just as good of a designer as you are. And I said, you would never 
walk into your doctor's office and tell them what to do, but <laughs> everyone feel compelled to tell you what to do. They know more, they understand color, they understand form much more than you do. I go, you're going to have to fight that the rest of your life. So wh- why do I love the Art Center? Why, why do I want to be a part of it? Because I firmly believe that this could be an incredible hub and a center for artists to um, display their works, to be um, productive here. We need more avenues or more venues where artists can, whether it's um, creating artwork, whether it's displaying it, whether it's promoting it, we just don't have enough of that. Mm-hmm. And you know, Pontiac is great because number one, we have a huge history here, but we're also the county seat. And um, I don't look at the decay and deterioration from the automotive company. That to me mm-hmm. is, is not even part of the equation. Mm-hmm. I look at it as like, we got this great downtown. It's an empty canvas. Mm-hmm. Like we can do anything. We can reinvent ourselves. We don't have to be in Royal Oak. We don't have to be a Ferndale. We don't have to be Detroit. We can be Pontiac. Mm-hmm. And I think the way to do it is through the artistic community. Do you find um, local artists gravitating here, discovering it? I think people, yeah, we're not, people don't know we're here. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of my job and everyone else's job here is to be promoters and ambassadors. Mm -hmm. Like, look what we got. This is a space. This is like, you've got support here. You got people that will, what is, you you have ideas, you've got um, uh, plans for your, for your own artwork, for others, for, um, you know, some group event. Come to us. We can, we can see if we can facilitate that for you. I think one of the saddest things to me about, let's use a dirty word, the G word, gentrification of, oh, yeah. of the, what was what was the CAS corridor, corridor, University Culture Center, now it's Midtown. Now it's Midtown, yeah. One of the, the sad things was what drew creative people there um, and what made it so interesting is that you, you know, it was like the afford, some of there was some affordable housing, there were artists, there were musicians, I could come and sit and talk with you about art, and not going like, oh, well, you know, how much money are you going to make? We could talk about art and things that we would see and be so impressed, and as the gentrification came, the very things that, that made it such a cool place made where pushed all those people out we couldn't afford to live down there there were the filmmakers the poets the musicians the artists you know i mean many of them i know have gone to hamtramck it's true you're right okay yes so how do we how do we convince them to come to pontiac i don't have all the answers <laughs> go I, ahead I actually, ronnie i actually also lived i lived in midtown uh-huh. Yes. Oh my about God. About a decade yeah, we, ago. We figured uh-huh. out we lived really close to each other. And I moved from Midtown to Pontiac, uh-huh. um, mainly because of my husband. We were not married then, but he convinced me this was a cool place. And I had come here when I was in high school for concerts, and mm-hmm. and I was familiar with the downtown. Um, and I had come to uh, Arts, Beats, and Eats for a few times. Um, but part of the reason why I left Midtown was because it was during the move to Midtown. I think it was the DMC that kind of mm-hmm. led that. Um, and my rent doubled. Mm-hmm. I, I remember trying to find a place to live, and there was just nothing within my price range because at that time also it was before. It, when I go down there, I was just down there uh, last weekend for a uh, event, and 
it just is, looks completely different to mm-hmm. me. I, when I, I don't even – there's like new buildings that I never would have expected to be <laughs> built. There's buildings gone. I sometimes forget where I even am because there were certain streets. Like, you know, Midtown like was like a box. You, yeah. Once you got to certain streets, you just kind of stopped because there was really nothing that down them. Now it's all open. It's expanded. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for me, I, and I assume a lot of other people and within my age range, you know, that – because it, I, I, my college graduation year was 2008, mm-hmm. economic recession. So, mm-hmm. um, and so I think that now it's like, I think it's even more expensive to live down there now than it was mm-hmm. even 10 years ago. So mm-hmm. I'm not really sure, usually, you know, I'm not sure how that, like what their market is now. I mean, I know it's a huge art hub, but I think it's pretty expensive to live down there. Of course, Pontiac's very affordable. Mm-hmm. And even, I think we, we bounce back a little less quickly than most of the other surrounding metro detroit communities i mean i know for me personally when i moved here i bought a house i would never be able to afford in any other city Mm -hmm. i bought a historic home um and there's a lot of you know artists that have bought homes and neighbor like different buildings and they started like their own studios and their own homes and so i think even today pontiac is still very affordable which is one nice thing Mm -hmm. so and it has a lot of hidden gems like the art center Mm -hmm. Well, one one thing that I discovered was there's a lot going on, but it's kind of like under the radar here. Right. It really, really is. And it's mm-hmm. like there's not a lot of people that are self-promoters out there that are like, look at me or, you know, I've got, I've got this space. And there's a lot happening, but people aren't boisterous about it. Sometimes it frustrates me. We should toot our own horn, but... I don't know. Yeah, but we want to keep your riffraff out. Yeah, we, yeah, we, <laughs> we want to keep we, your riffraff down in Midtown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. There's even times, like, in downtown, and Judy, Judy's on the Arts Commission, and she could probably speak to that, where yeah. there's been some pop-up galleries. Like, for example, Fernando Bales had um, an exhibit, I think, a year or two ago. It was with some tubes, mm-hmm. and it was in... Did you see that? It was downtown. So outside some, or in that? It was outside. Yeah. Yeah. That I saw. Yeah. yeah. So there's some interesting things that pop up. A pop up, and so um, because we're growing, with growth comes change. So happily, and we're so proud that uh, uh, the Pontiac Creative Arts Center has a new director, Judy yes. Wilson. Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk. We're gonna okay. take a quick break, and then we're gonna talk about that growth and meet Judy Wilson. Yes. So we'll be right back. This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the Center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. We're back here at Collections by Michelle Brown, and we did a road trip. We're here at the Pontiac Creative Arts Center. Now, you know, you guys have talked about the history of the building, 
um, the change in the community and lest people think that it's just like a, a group of us, you know, disenfranchised artists came out here and you just got a building and you're just doing it. You are, you have a board and you just recently, and we want to welcome your executive director. How did you move to that point? And with your new executive director, because I believe you're not the first. No, okay. So how did you, how did you find Judy and what were you looking for when you when you went on that search mission for her? So um, Judy is phenomenal, and we are beside ourselves with excitement and pride that she's um, agreed to become the executive director of the Pontiac Creative Arts Center. So how did we find her? And Ronnie will be able to talk about this as well. Um, I've known about Judy and her <laughs> wonderful reputation from the art experience. And uh, I met Judy at uh, one of the planning meetings at for Art Crawl, which mm -hmm. is a great event that we have here in the spring mm -hmm. in Pontiac. And um, so um, I feel privileged that I'm part of a long lineage here at the Pontiac Creative Arts Center. and. Um, meaning I'm on the board and those that came before us, they did some work and those that are gonna come after us are still gonna do some work. But in the meantime, we have to really work hard. And so we just saw that uh, we needed a change in direction and uh, we had a different vision. So as a board, we decided a new director was the direction we needed to go. Well, Judy, welcome. Thank you. I know that you I'm have humble. <laughs> I know you haven't. Your official start date is November. Correct. Okay. So um, you're not new to this area, are you? I am one of six women that came out of Wayne State's yes. art therapy program, mm -hmm. and a couple of the women had the vision for uh, making a space available to provide access to the arts for everybody. And mm -hmm. so in the program, you're you really get a lot of training working with people with a variety of different needs and um, especially individuals who are uh, recovering from mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And they thought that Pontiac's being central to different counties, mm -hmm. for one thing, you know, very close to Detroit, the northern counties, um, you could also get here fairly quickly from, you know, like Grand Blank area or Flint, mm -hmm. and then also the um, Macomb County area. And also the fact that there was sort of a, a saturation of health and human service agencies in this area. They decided to find a storefront, open their doors, and try to apply what they had learned in the program. And so we did that on Lawrence Street back in 96. Mm -hmm. And it's just been where people could find me ever since then pretty much. Now I have to make note that we have three Wayne State Warrior <laughs> Thank Princesses you. Thank you. right here. <laughs> you know, forget Xena. We've got three warrior women well, from Wayne State. Absolutely. Yeah, well, absolutely. there too. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and we'll, we'll let you be an honorary Thank Wayne you. State Thank woman. <laughs> yeah, but this <laughs> is a there. this is a U of D guy. Well oh. yeah. I did go to U of D. Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. So are you originally from Michigan? 
I am. I'm a Detroiter. Hey. I was born and raised in Detroit. My uh. father supervised Eastern Market for many uh. years. Uh-huh. Um, I tell people I breathe better in Detroit. Oh, nice. And I breathe better in Pontiac as well. Uh-huh. I'm just, a, I like the urban kind uh-huh. of. East side, west side? West side, northwest. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Six and Schaefer. Okay. All right. Yeah. Went to Immaculata. Uh-huh. Catholic oh. school girl. Yes, hey. ma'am. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> but I envied one of my... Uh, fellow classmates who came from Cass Tech and just uh-huh. had mad art skills. Uh-huh. Well, I went uh, to Catholic school up until high school. And okay. then um, I often tell people there's a lovely nun who also had the vision to see in me, but also to talk to my parents, and they listened, mm-hmm. who said, you know, for her to become all that she needs to go, she needs to go to a public school, and recommended and and sort of shepherd me through the process to get into chaos. Yeah. And so, um, you well, know. Good for them. You know, yeah, you. You know, really. I mean, so, nothing wrong with a good Catholic school education. <laughs> no, no, I'm grateful for it. Uh-huh. So you've been here. Um, how long have you lived in, in Pontiac, been working I, in this area? I do not live in Pontiac. I actually live in White Lake now. Okay. Um, but I've been in Pontiac since 96. Uh-huh. Um, we... Uh, founded the Art Experience, and I was there until 2017, mm-hmm. with a brief hiatus when I worked for an organization called Very Special Arts, mm-hmm. now called VSAMI. Uh, Gene Kennedy Smith's Arts out of the Kennedy Foundation mm-hmm. for people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And so I was their exhibit coordinator, and then I became their program coordinator, and then started another chapter of my life, became a mom to a beautiful little boy um, after I remarried and um, came back to the art experience and started getting involved as a board member and helping them kind of tell their story a little better and um, stayed with them 2003 to 17 and took a couple years off and was working with the Arts Commission and I've been there since 2016 and um, I accepted the invitation to become the art center's new director and i'm very excited about all the possibilities that exist here where did the arts bug come to you who inspired you and made you actually think that you know what this is where i want my life work to be somewhere in this well i was always a doodler Mm -hmm. i liked to draw Mm -hmm. Um, and so i did that and in high school um, the art teacher where I went to high school in Immaculata was very inspiring. And um, from there, I decided to study fine arts at U of M. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a teacher there who actually was one of the founders, I believe, of the Detroit Society of Arts and Crafts, which mm-hmm. is now College for Creative Studies, mm-hmm. Guy Palazzola. Mm-hmm. And he sparked in me a fire for uh, figurative illustration. So I studied there for a couple of years, moved to Wayne State to continue studying with John Haggerty, mm-hmm. and um, just loved to draw mm-hmm. and loved the arts community. Mm-hmm. And so from then I was a freelance illustrator. I did courtroom illustration for a while at CNN in Detroit. And then... <laughs> Yeah, just continued on that path until I decided to go into art therapy. Now, you, um, I was reading in your bio, and you were saying that um, you want to use the arts to build community and improve people's lives. 
how? And I think that's kind of more the bug I, I got. I uh-huh. tell people that I like, I can draw. Uh-huh. I, I've never really seen myself as an artist, but uh-huh. I can draw. But I am somebody who likes to make things happen. So I consider myself more of a social entrepreneur. Uh-huh. And I re- really believe in the power of the arts to bring people together. It's a universal language, right? Uh-huh. It's a language of symbols. So I can understand or be moved by artwork from any part of the world, right? I don't have to be able to speak that person's language or be part of their culture. Um, And I've seen it over and over, how the arts bring people together um, on so many different levels. And I've seen it transform people's lives. I've worked with a lot of individuals who are struggling with depression or various mental health issues um, I've also worked with people who have developmental disabilities um, and how un- uninhibited they are when you give them the materials to create. Um, I also kind of have this sense that we're made in the image of a creator, and so it's inherent to who we are to create, and that as a culture we're starting to lose some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the education systems we're starting to lose a lot of that. Um, So I have decided that one of my missions, I think, is to be a voice and an advocate for that. You know, Um, you make a really important point because, which I also think, you know, whenever there's been a period of social change, um, whether it's just us reclaiming our humanity or even through political, there's been arts, there's been writers, mm -hmm. there's been poets that have been doing that. How do you see, how important do you see are places like this and these times when we need to find common ground on so many areas? Well, this is a place where people can come in. You know, arts community art centers are where people from all different backgrounds can come in and be curious, right? Um, they can kind of fumble, you know, because it's, it's just art, right? They can try things on and talk about it like, when I worked for VSA and a lot of the exhibits, well, all the exhibits that I promoted or took around the state were worked by people, was, were comprised of work by people with disabilities. So reporters would call to, you know, get a piece, something for a story about this exhibit. And even to the point of saying things like, well, what's wrong with this individual? Why are they in, in you know, so you have this opportunity to educate people on, you know, things like people first language, you know, that... That was when I first saw, okay, this is this is another area that the arts are having an effect. But um, so the arts are approachable, right? It people exhibit their artwork and it invites people to come in and take a look. And when they come in and take that take that look, they're also being exposed to everything else going on in that space, right? Mm-hmm. Um, artists are kind of instigators in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a safe place. Mm-hmm. They can come in, um, be around people they might not normally be around, and, and be expressive. You know, mm-hmm. that's it's respected, it's encouraged, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, all kinds of things can grow from that type mm-hmm. of a dynamic in a space like this. And it's, I'm hoping that in this space, uh, we will make that kind of an experience even more accessible mm-hmm. um, to really the artists in the community that are right around here. You you mentioned something about how are we going to let, how are we going to draw the artists here? And I think um, in the time that I've been 
in Pontiac and especially on the Arts Commission since we were doing the Arts Crawl, I've become really aware of how saturated this community is with artists mm-hmm. of multiple different multiple cultures. Mm-hmm. And the Arts Crawl is starting to draw them out. Okay, mm-hmm. so I applaud the mayor for her belief in how the arts can drive the economic engine of recovery, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Um, and the Arts Commission is starting to do that on a more high-profile level. Mm-hmm. And through that, all these other organizations that are making the arts available um, are also benefiting from that exposure. So more artists are making more connections with different organizations, different educational groups, and other nonprofits are learning about each other. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just a, a dynamic that needs to exist in order to grow the art scene, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's interesting. I had talked to um, Walter Nagel, who had been Bayard Rustin's partner, and he talked about how back in the day that they had all these people who were who were doing things, and he included, you know, our, the artists, the poets, and, that, and he called them angelic troublemakers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and really, you know, you, our words, these visual things, I mean, really, it's like shaking up the norm and doing it. Knowing the history of this, and when you walked in and you looked at this space, what visions did you see? Well, when I first came into the space, I was involved with the art experience, and Mm -hmm. we had all kinds of programs with visual arts, right? Mm -hmm. And I saw dance and performance art in music space, and uh, now with the chance of actually influencing what happens in here, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw a great performance space and, and gallery space. The mm-hmm. city of Pontiac uh, needs a place to, to showcase all the talent in this town. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's art on the wall or moving throughout the space, um, that's, that's what I sensed. How do you envision it not only working with the things that are already going on, but also maintaining its uniqueness. Well, I'm kind of a sponge at the moment, <laughs> and I'm finding out what that uniqueness is. Is so I'm I'm hearing stories from the people who came here as children. Um, I'm hearing all sorts of things from the board, of course, the history, the Dr. Furlong connection, um, and I think. If I had to say what is unique about it, it would be that it is a true community space. And so to maintain that, it's going to take bringing the community in here. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to reach out to the community first, let them know that we're kind of hitting refresh in here, and invite them in and listen to what they have to say about what they would like to see in their art center. Um, and, you know, it will take on the character that the community wants it to have. I love how you said what they want to see in their art center, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and also how you said like you were just being a sponge to hear that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like you're going to take in all this information and then hopefully squeeze out that sponge yeah. and make it like really alive and vibrant and the, the space here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh-huh. So you start in November. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, first year, 
besides just this refresh, taking in community um, input, processing it, sharing it with the board, helping the board, you know, because sometimes you can be on the board and, and there's new people coming in. Mm-hmm. So besides being that person, that conduit, who's going to take it in, share it, redoing it, what other things do you see in, that you'd like to see happen like in your first year? Well, I would like us, first of all, the, the main thing, one of the main things we have to do is um, tell our story. Mm-hmm. In order to tell a story, you have to um, live one out, mm-hmm. right? So this first year, we're going to be doing the, I believe they're called the heritage exhibits. Oh, yes. Um, so we will continue with the Black History Month, the Arab American, and the Hispanic um, heritage exhibits. Um, but I would also like to see us think a little more outside the box. We're going to have a couple invitational shows where we reach out to artists, and I don't know if I want to say what those are just yet. Um, pitch them. Go ahead and pitch them. Well, <laughs> one of them is going to be, and it, it's untitled at this point. Um, do you want to explain it? Is it the one where the I... The shower curtain? Yeah, so we're thinking um, just, uh, uh, again, to engage the artistic community and also the um, the non-artistic community, sort of have a fundraiser, and we're calling it, it's our working title, Rain, um, Shower Sprinkles and Puddles. And we're going to ask a group of artists, um, which we don't know our, our complete <laughs> list, mm-hmm. if they would be so generous, and we will provide them with either a... Uh, a shower curtain or a uh, an umbrella or galoshes and if they would embellish them and um, um, obviously you know um, put their creative spin on it and then we'd like to um, auction have a silent auction on those items oh. so it, it, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a fun event and mm-hmm. um, I, I personally adore um, gallery functions and especially when there's art to be displayed um we've got a, a a really great show coming up but the reason i love i love them so much is because artists typically will bring their family and friends mm-hmm. and that that to me is incredible because that's that's like an audience that doesn't really um come out that much to to these events but to me that's where we build interest and uh, patrons and we build this incredible um passion for art mm-hmm. is when you're dragged along to something <laughs> well and as we get more and more people into the studio space mm-hmm. all yeah. along this next year i think the big thing is going to be um uh really gathering information about who comes in here yeah um how many people you know all the demographics mm-hmm. so we can also pitch what we do here to funders right Mm -hmm. and so and at the same time with the people while they're in here we capture you know whatever information we can from them you know Mm -hmm. why are you here what would make what would it take to get you to come back Mm -hmm. Um, give us you know no matter how crazy your ideas let us know you know what you would like to see happen here Mm -hmm. and then um, you know try to involve more and more people grow the grow the circle of stakeholders right Mm -hmm. and then also along that in that process find out what artists are you know interested enough to you know make that step inside the door you know 
build relationships with them and grow our um, list of exhibits and into like 2022 and three. but basically building that story um, and then um, letting them know that, you know, we're here, we want people to come and pitch ideas to us, yeah. okay? So that's one of the things we're gonna do this year, but so the, the kind of got off track. So the exhibit schedule, we sort of have loosely in place. Um, in the summer, I would like to see us sort of have some fun in here and wake it up and have Mm -hmm. music and Mm -hmm. performances more um just a lot more music maybe there was discussion of doing food trucks and having summer month kind of fun and and really making sure that the community knows that we're Mm -hmm. back and you know the building problems have been resolved Mm -hmm. and you know now we need you to come back in and see what we're about Mm -hmm. um so there's it's probably important to note too that um, I think the Art Center's reputation is uh, we had a roof issue for many years. I believe our roof was 40 years old, is what the estimate was. Um, but in 2018, we the board had raised enough money to do a complete roof replacement. So the concerns of a leaky roof are no more. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, but that's a perfect segue to you because, okay, you're the finance guy. You know, yep. you're you're on the board, and these are value things. Yep. Do you know what I mean? And, but there's that, as a finance guy, and, and also by watching your face and hearing what you put into it, how do you help the board? And then also, as you talk to funders, recognize that value of what this is to the community as well as to the part, well, yeah, we do have to bring in dollars and cents, but not at the expense of this this huge value and connection with the community. How do you balance that? And, and what do you see as your challenge to talk to people, to other board members, to funders who are going like, well, you know, what about that roof? And, you know, say, well, the roof is done, but then there's also this. Because, you know, you can get someone to fix a roof. You know, because mm-hmm. it's a building. But when you say to make these programming, to make the space viable, how do you see your role in presenting that not only to board, but to funders, but then also to the, oops, to the community that they need to um, financially support it, even if it's just like coming and putting a dollar in a bucket? Yeah, it's actually a good, a good question. All good questions. Um, <laughs> So when I think back to when I first came to the Art Center back in 2011, it was the economic recession of 2008. It was still, especially in Pontiac, was felt, I think, pretty heavily. Um, And one thing that I found amazing was that the Art Center, everything was free. If you came to any of the events, there was never a cost to come to them. Um, And I think that was great because there were so many people out of work at the time. Um, I luckily was not, but I knew other people that were. And a lot of people who came in here, it was nice... To come and, and to see art and to see something different and to bring happiness. And I can tell you, every time I came here, I left happy. And I know, I'm pretty sure everyone who came here did. Um, another example of um, something similar was in after the 2016 election, there was this um, attitude. Uh-huh. Not attitude. It I think, like for me personally, I was very depressed. It was a very mm-hmm. depressing time. 
And I think the most lively event I've ever been to in the city of Pontiac was here for Soul Food in 2016. And I think, Judy, you were at that as well. Mm -hmm. We had over 220 people coming in and out of the center. Um, we had, I want to say it was eight or ten different live performances, cultural performances. The place felt alive. And it was just, it was like in, I think it was in May or April, so it was like the winter had just ended. People were, it was just, it was such a powerful experience. It cost nothing to come in here. People donated, which which helped fund the event. Um, but those were the two uh, two things that really stood out to me. Um, when it comes to like finances, so I have a master's in finance, a master's of science in finance, and I've worked in finance since technically 2004. So I worked at a bank. I started as a part-time teller, worked my way up to be a branch manager, and then I've worked in corporate finance since 2009. Um, and and I worked for some pretty big companies. I also worked for Deloitte before. Um, so I've got like a pretty unique finance background. And um, I remember when I was at Deloitte, uh, one of the partners said to me that you're going to be asked to join a lot of boards because everyone's always in need of finance people. And you're going to, it's going to be a really unique experience for you. And so I can tell you that over the last few years, I've been on the board for four years, it has been very unique experience because there's so much that I want us to do but then I'm the person who puts who balances the checkbook and puts together the reports and I see realistically what we can do um, and I actually do think like over, since the recession I think a lot of companies and people are a little less willing to give mm -hmm. I think uh, people want to see they don't want to just give to a general fund they want to give to an event they want to give to an item they want to sponsor something specific. Um, when we did Black History Month this past year, with the help of my husband, uh, in 20 minutes we sent out some emails and we were able to raise $700 to put on that event. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but that's because we told people exactly what their money was going to. And it paid for the whole event, the marketing, the cost of the food for the exhibit, all everything. Um, and I think that that's usually the connection you have to be able to show is like your dollar that you give us is going to pay for this. So uh, when it comes to programming here, it's it's extremely important for us to line up the funding to offer a, a class or a program. Like, for example, we just launched um, the, the Drawing Guild, which actually right before this uh, session, this recording session, uh, there was some people in here who were part of that club or drawing guild they were drawing mm -hmm. we had a live artist or a live model, model mm -hmm. who they were sketching mm -hmm. um when we launch a new program it's always a gamble if it's going to be successful or not and it does cost us money so we always have to be very like we have to put a lot of thought into it um as before we can launch something same thing with exhibits uh we used to have this old model that we needed to raise 250 dollars before we could launch a new exhibit or uh or a new class but sometimes that's just not realistic you still have to offer something and it does cost to do anything so mm -hmm. um but you know i think what we've been doing though is we're getting more we've over the last year specifically we've reached out to a lot of different organizations and communities that we've never reached out to before um the art center was kind of asleep mm -hmm. for a few years um mm -hmm. We had a very active board. The prior board to the current board um, saved the Art Center. So the Art Center was founded in 1964 by Dr. Harold Furlong. He left an endowment 
so that's the only reason why we exist today is because of his endowment so we're eternally grateful to him uh, it helps fund all of our operating costs to a to an extent we have a hundred year old building so mm -hmm. every other month there's something that needs to be fixed but if it wasn't for the endowment that he left the art center we would not exist um but with that in Pine, the city of Pontiac is always interesting because there's a lot of great organizations and most of the organizations don't norm, don't usually own a building or have a, a very stable uh, facility that they operate out of. Whereas here at the art center, we actually own this building, but sometimes it's a, more of a burden because it mm -hmm. prevents us from being able to offer programming because we the money that we would invest in the programs and exhibits, we spend in painting and repairing and renovating. Um, even the roof, that was a $25,000 expense. And, you know, that's a huge chunk of money for us. Mm -hmm. uh, it took us three years to raise that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but so I think, but with Judy coming on board, she's so connected with the arts community and with so many different types of programs. Really, the Art Center was founded as a community art center. Mm -hmm. And I think that the community piece has been a little lacking over the last probably decade or two decades. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, this isn't just the board's art center. This isn't just the Pontiac Creative Art Center. It's the art center for all of North Oakland County. Mm -hmm. We're the only, within, I don't know exactly what mile radius, but there isn't another really big art center other than the art experience um, in the area. And so, and we've been here since 1968. And so I think that it's, you know, it's hard because like a lot of times because our name is the Pontiac Creative Arts Center, people think, oh, it's for Pontiac only. For Pontiac. Mm -hmm. um, but Pontiac is the county seat and Mm -hmm. I mean, we're in the middle of the whole county, so mm -hmm. you're going to drive through us if you're going to I-75 or M-59, so you might as well swing by and check mm -hmm. something out. Mm -hmm. But um, Well, and you know, the arts and culture scene as a whole in the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years, um, probably all nonprofits, we've had to be more accountable yeah. stewards of our resources, right? Mm -hmm. um, really, every sector has had to be able to report out um, how they're using their funding and show numbers mm -hmm. to back it up. So there are tools that the arts and culture community uses to do that better. You know, mm -hmm. where I think they're much better at it than than used to be the case. Um, one of those tools is uh, Data Arts, and it was it's a, a cultural database started in South New Hampshire, I think it was, um, university, and I apologize for massacring the name of that school, <laughs> but um, so all of the arts organizations that can feed all their numbers into this database, mm -hmm. right? Every resource going in and, and coming out. And what they're able to do with, with that is, besides you know, produce um, annual reports and charts and all kinds of things to share. They also can generate reports specific to various funders. Mm -hmm. So the funders know all that information, right? And mm -hmm. you can actually send it right to a funder from that database. Mm -hmm. um, so we're, you know, we've gotten our ducks in a row a lot better. However, in tandem with that accountability, you know, everybody else, you know, the people in the community are able to scratch creative itches in more ways than they ever were able to before, mm -hmm. right? They pick up their device. Mm -hmm. And you can have all kinds of lessons and, you know, any artist 
any kind of art genre, somebody is there on YouTube or whatever, able, uh, willing to walk you through the process and you can learn. And it's free pretty much except mm-hmm. for the price of your Wi-Fi. And so we as an art center have to face that challenge. So how do you shake people into uh, being aware that you exist, right? Mm-hmm. You have to you, you certainly have to think outside the box, right? Okay. Um, the the typical or more traditional come and sign up for six weeks of an art program, um, and God forbid even ten weeks or you know what it used <laughs> yeah. to be, you know you'd sign up for a semester. Um, it doesn't cut it as much anymore, and I know that for a fact around the state. I reviewed grants for the state arts council, and you read over and over of how you are bringing the arts to the community. Mm-hmm. You can't just sit in here and put out flyers about the programs you're running. You have got to really catch people's attention, mm-hmm. right? You've got to get beyond that, you know, three-second attention span somehow. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to do that? Well, you ask them, what's it going to take to bring you in here? It, it's know? interesting that you say what? that, too, because so I'm a millennial, so I was born in 86, and before I even went, knew what college was, I was already going because that's just my generation, which mm-hmm. is you're going to college. And so I actually, I think it's interesting because what, so in my time being on the board here is I joined one of our ceramics classes and I remember I was, I kept putting it off for years because I was like, I don't want to commit to a 10 week class. I don't want to commit to being there every Saturday morning. And because it's a big commitment, you know, mm-hmm. if you, if you're doing something, you might miss something if you miss one class. And maybe you won't be able to finish your project or maybe you'll miss something important and the point like there's no point to have taken the class because you missed something that vital and so we switched the format here to more of a club base from a class because a club if you miss a session oh well you know uh-huh. you can make it up but also there's no there's no like schedule that you have to follow Uh kind of come in you want to come in for 20 minutes for an hour for four hours that's the availability Uh but you know whatever we're open you can come in pretty much Uh and so we kind of taken that format because we saw it was successful with our ceramics studio and we used it with we just launched the new drawing club Uh um there's been talks about a photography club Uh um and taking that format and seeing where we can leverage it to get you know so that we can get more people in here sometimes it's you know the the one thing you hear about now is it used to be you needed like some like a couple big donors everyone Uh used to rely on like like cities for example gm chrysler whoever to come in and and offer jobs but nowadays you really kind of want it it parceled out you don't want to just depend on just one person Uh anymore so it's the same thing with the clubs you sign up for it's like a gym membership Uh you know you sign up for a gym membership, maybe you go once a month, maybe you don't go ever. You know? You're still how, paying that amount. That's how creativity happens too, <laughs> uh-huh. right? Yeah. You're, you're not sure that you're going to have the urge to do drawing at 6 o'clock on a Wednesday night every week for six weeks. Yep. Um, and I think, I think too, what we need to do, um, you know, we faced a couple things, not, not just the advent of technology and all that, but also the economy and you know the ebb and flow of of uh how you know how much disposable income individuals have mm-hmm. one of the first things that is going to get stricken from you know the activities is the arts right it's not just in educational systems it's also in a person's personal life mm-hmm. um 
like when the automotive industry isn't doing well, galleries don't do well, framing shops don't do well, the arts take a hit. So the burden on us really as people who know this and experience it and know it better than everybody else <laughs> is to advocate for why you should have creativity in your life. Mm-hmm. Why is it not just an extra, you know, or, you know, what do you call it? Not extracurricular, it's but... A, like a frivolous hobby. Yeah, right, yeah. right. It's not just for, you know, it is fun. It's beautiful. It's, it's, uh, it's stimulating. But it also has major health benefits. It has great benefits to a society and a culture. Um, and, and so we've got to somehow help the people around us get that mm-hmm. help them understand why a vibrant art scene is essential to the health of a community mm-hmm. right and even even in like in the art therapy program there's an author Ellen DeSinaica who wrote about um, the arts in in cultures over the you know mm-hmm. history of human human existence and how the societies who made their tools and their spaces special were the ones that survived. Hmm. So what does that tell you? Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if people start to understand how they can benefit directly from involving the arts in, or bringing the arts into their lives, um, the arts community is going to start to benefit from that. And I think that's kind of what we're, the challenge we're faced with right now is being a voice, one, that people are going to want to listen to, not just tell it in the same old way, mm-hmm. but also to get in front of the people who make the decisions about that. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that was exciting about the prospect of being the new director. Mm-hmm. I, I want to take this to legislators. I want to take it to you know decision makers in our immediate community, mm-hmm. to people who make decisions about education. It's critical. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that, I know that um, intimately as an art therapist that's worked with youth in crisis. Mm-hmm. I know it intimately as a woman who used the arts to help her kids move through some pretty traumatic changes in their lives. It's, it's um, nobody's going to go out and look that up on their own, Mm-mm. right? Mm-hmm. Legislators aren't going to go do that. You need to present the case and you better be compelling mm-hmm. because they're not going to listen to you otherwise. Well, and you better be able to back it up. So that's why we've got to do that story. Well, we're going to take our second break here. And then we're going to talk about their community center. by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. You can subscribe now and listen to the podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Be sure to like the Collections by Michelle Brown Facebook page and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode.
we're back here on collections by Michelle Brown. One of the things that I've heard you talk about, not only is this a community center, but the diversity of this, of this community. You talked about how you have you have a black heritage uh, program, a Latino heritage program, an Arab American heritage program, which I think that many people will go like, although who don't know Pontiac, don't recognize how diverse a community it is. And that's really important. Also with the arts, there are many people who think that the arts are only for a certain group, a certain class. And we all have arts where some people though, if they look at something that's uh, even from indigenous people, like they go like, oh, well, that's their craft. No, it's art, you know, it's art. Coming in October, you are reaching out to another community to bring them in. Can you tell us about Kaleidoscopes, Ronnie? Yeah, so as I said previously, I've been on the board of, here at the Pine Creative Arts Center for the past four years. And I am part of the LGBTQA community. And I realized, I was like, you know, we don't have anything going on here for that community, for my community. Uh, and I, living in the city of Pontiac, it is a very diverse city. And there's actually a pretty substantial LGBTQA community here as well. Um, and we're actually, you know, we're very close to Oakland University. We're close to Cranbrook. Um, and I know so many different artists. And I just thought, especially with this year being 50 years since Stonewall, mm -hmm. I thought this was a, a very good opportunity to bring something new to the Art Center, a different type of exhibit, um, kind of break the mold a little bit. Uh, do a call for artists, which we've not done in decades, probably. We usually had just gone with artists who were involved here at the Art Center. But I wanted to open it up, kind of break the barrier, do something different, and just see what we could come come out of it. Um, and it was, I, I had been thinking about it for a while, and then in October and November of last year, the board decided we were trying to find out ways how to break the mold and do different things and I said I'd like to chair this committee and try to make something happen um, and I had heard of the Pontiac Oakland University initiative and uh, that they were they were offering I believe it was fifty thousand dollars in grants to two different organizations within the city of Pontiac um, and I found out I think the day that <laughs> the deadline was and so I submitted the deadline, I believe 15 minutes before the <laughs> deadline. Um, I just put together a quick budget, an idea. Um, uh, I am friends with the director of the Gender and Sexuality Center. Mm -hmm. I've known her since I believe 2004. Mm -hmm. Her name is Grace. Mm -hmm. She's an amazing person. Yes, um, and, um, and so basically I just was like, let's see if this happens. And then... I didn't put too much thought into it, and then I received notification that we were awarded. I think part of the reason why we were awarded the grant was, and it was a $1,900 grant, uh, was because we wanted to work with Oakland University. Uh, I do think, having lived in Detroit and just seeing like in Midtown, the connection between the students at Wayne State and the community, I think that that's something, an opportunity for Pontiac. Mm -hmm. I think Pontiac offers a really, our downtown's great, and there's so many different unique things here that people don't know about. So connect, working with the students, I think a lot of the big downtown cities in the state, usually there's a, a college around it. Um, and so just kind of like working with students and really honestly breathing, like working with younger people too. A lot of the time, a lot of the exhibits here have been people who have been, who are a little bit older, 
which is I'm not, and there's no disrespect to that. But I wanted to see some youth because the one thing here that I always hear about the art center, especially from people who came here as kids, is this place used to be filled with kids. And if you look at any of the photos of Dr. Furlong, the founder, mm -hmm. he was surrounded by kids in here. This place was just full of kids. He, I think Eugenia just posted on her social media a drawing picture of some kids, and, and you just don't see that very often. But also, um, being uh, being a board member of this organization, this is a different kind of organization. So mm -hmm. being a board member, you're, it's a working board. You, you put a lot of time in mm -hmm. here. And I would like to see some younger people join the board, be interested in becoming future leaders of the organization. Mm -hmm. Because you know, I'm 33 and I already feel disconnected with a 23-year-old. Mm -hmm. And so I have no idea what a 23-year-old, what their interests are. But by getting younger people involved here, we can kind of accommodate what they want to see. It, it becomes more of a community art center. Um, well, you know, like you, you mentioned that this is like the 50-year anniversary of correct. Stonewall. Yeah. And we know the movement today is not your daddy's movement, exactly. you know. I mean, a lot has happened. And sometimes you do see that disconnect between younger queer people and the older LGBTQ community, mm -hmm. like how they think, how they do it. Everyone did their stuff in June. Yep. You know, everyone had it, and then it was over and forgotten about. Yep. But you're doing this, and you're talking about the 50 years stone later on in the year. Do you think that by doing that after the big pride rush, mm -hmm. <laughs> that it, it really is helping to continue that connection with community with between different generations and between not only the queer community because you know what young queer people they're just in themselves mm -hmm. their their friends their allies are their friends who have grown up seeing them in their schools so do you see that by doing it later in the year and that connection with Oakland County is really like giving a second rush of Stonewall? I do. Uh, you know, I, I think Pride should not just be the month of June. I think it should be all year. Mm -hmm. I think the same thing for every heritage. Like, you know, even here, we, you know, you hear a lot of months like, I believe September is National Hispanic Heritage Month, I believe, mm -hmm. and so on and so on. But I kind of think it's like we should be proud all the time. Um, mm -hmm. Also, giving any anyone any group one month to celebrate there's too much celebration it's there's you can only attend so many events uh -huh. in a month i mean if you went to you know ferndale has their pride detroit has the pride parade uh -huh. at, or you know the, the event at Hart plaza uh -huh. ann arbor has one jackson has uh -huh. one grand rapids has one toronto new york uh -huh. i mean there's only so many you can go to well, you know, even Ann Arbor moved theirs to August because exactly. it was like, you know, it's just like such Too a crowded much. And know. if you, you know, if you're involved in the community, you want to, you want to see it all. Mm -hmm. I mean, even for us, I was, I was disappointed in myself that I didn't have enough time to make sure that we had our uh, postcards for the event, our, all of our marketing in time for June to hit up every pride parade to try to get the word out. Um, but that's just what happens when you're doing volunteer work. There's only so many hours in a day. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the, going back to that, though, uh, one, one important reason why we did pick October in part was uh, because the students were out 
in the summertime. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, I, even I can speak from my own experience. When I was in college, I didn't care about anything college-related in the summertime. I was either having fun or I was trying to save up as much money as I could so I didn't have to work as much during the mm-hmm. fall semester. Um, but one thing that we did target with the date of October 12th specifically is that National Coming Out Day is October 11th. Mm-hmm. So we we are on the fence if we were going to go with a Friday opening or a Saturday opening. And personally, for me, it's just more convenient for a Saturday opening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, I think it's more convenient for a lot of people. A lot of people work late hours these days. I think the, the average norm now is a 10 to 7 hour, the, the mm-hmm. 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. So doing an opening on a Saturday gives a bigger opportunity for a larger audience to come. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when you've got that many people who are supportive, whether they identify as LGBTQA or they just are a supporter of the community and they're more of an ally, it's great. Mm-hmm. And so, but I, I am excited because I think, you know, I was just, uh, I just, I went and saw the Downton Abbey movie last night. Mm-hmm. And I think what a lot of times people forget is for, there was a scene in the movie um, where their butler, who is gay, um, goes to his first gay bar in 1927. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. And as soon as, you know, he's only in there maybe for a few minutes, this is a movie, and then the bar is raided by the police mm-hmm. and they took everyone to jail. And it, it was a, a powerful moment for me out of the whole two hour movie, mainly because I thought to myself, I grew up very lucky. I mean, I came out in 2002. Um, and it's funny because a lot of times people, that's Ellen DeGeneres and, and Will and Grace. It's what I hear all the time from people. Mm-hmm. I would always get people to say, oh, you can be my Will. It's like, I don't want to be your Will. I just want to be myself. You know? <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> I still hear that today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's just, it's, I'm very grateful for everybody who helped honestly bring the LGBTQA community to where it is today. I mean, everyone who came before me and sacrificed so much took so much risk to help get the community to where it is today i just think that that's why i'm empowered to do this event and to help mm-hmm. lead it i put a lot of time into this so is patricia so is judy a lot of people have you have as well and we appreciate mm-hmm. that um and it's just i think for me it's just it makes me feel like i'm giving back to my community mm-hmm. and so and i'm just really thankful that the board and and the Oakland University, like the board allowed us to have the event here mm-hmm. um, because we, you know, everything we do here costs money. Mm-hmm. And so it's just nice that there was support for that. And the Oakland University and the city of Pontiac um, approved the grant because it really, this is going to be a really big event. It's probably going to be the nicest event the Art Center has had in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just, I'm very excited about it. We, the some really cool things that have really meant a lot to me are when we did the call for artists we've had so much support we've we've done interviews with Oprah press we've done interviews with between the lines we've done them with metro mode wjr radio um we've had all kinds of people reach out to us asking how they can help and it's sometimes and I, if i have not gotten back to you to this day i apologize because it's overwhelming mm-hmm. to be honest i mean this is just a volunteer thing for me um but where is I going with that? Um, oh, but the the one thing that's been amazing is the very first artist to reach out to me was from California, mm. asking is, are you accepting artwork from out of state? And I was I was just shocked. I was like, I I yes, I I guess I never thought that we'd even make it out of Michigan, I, Pontiac, let alone Oakland County. And then 
um, someone reached out from Boston, and then someone reached out from Florida, and someone reached out from Texas, and someone reached out from um, Alabama. Alabama. And it's and then the other side, the west side of the state, and it's just it it makes me, it just makes me feel proud that we've broken that barrier. Whereas mm-hmm. before we just would go with artists here that we knew, and now we're saying we're like saying, hey, we're the Pontiac Creative Arts Center. We have a really cool space. Check us out. Be part mm-hmm. of this because really, I mean, we we had so many people even reach out after we shut down the submission date. Like September fifteenth was the deadline. And I think we had eight people reach out within a few days after that asking if they could still be part of it mm. or if people asking if they could submit additional work. Um, the whole experience is very humbling. It was very exciting. It was, it was foreign for me. I've never done anything like this before. Um, you know, I, one thing that is important to point out and Judy's finding out is that we're a 51-year-old startup. Um, we, mm-hmm. we, uh, we've got, we've been around since 1964, technically in this building since 1968. Um, we've really only ever had one employee at a time back in the seventies and eighties. I think there were three to six people that worked here at, the, at a time. Um, and now for the last 10 years, we had one. Um, and so I can tell you from my own personal experience, putting on a show like this, we started working on this back in November. And so it's a lot of work. I I probably have put in over a hundred hours at least, maybe more. I don't know, and so probably more. But but anyways, though, um, it's a lot. And so you know, the the one thing I'm hoping out of this is for we have tentative approval if this show is successful to do it again next year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we will not most likely have the same funding, mm-hmm. so we'll be reaching out to the community uh, to help fund it. Um, but you know, we're, I'm hoping to build a big commu- a big committee off of this. So anyone who's mm-hmm. interested, who wants to be part of this, you know, I, I always believe that, you know, I chaired it this year. Patrice and I co-chaired it this year. I'm happy to just be on the committee if somebody else wants to chair it. Because mm-hmm. I like the perspective. Like, mm-hmm. you know, here at the Art Center, we had the same chair for every exhibit for the last eight years. Mm-hmm. The same person basically lead every show. Um, and I personally think that it just becomes the same show every time. Mm-hmm. I like to see different perspectives. Patrice and I, we butted heads. We've, we've gelled on a lot of things. We had completely different ideas. But at the end of the day, I feel like everything that we've – like it, it was a great working relationship mm-hmm. putting this show together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to ask you two ladies, and I mean – because we were both, we were all in kindergarten at the time. But if you remember back in the 20, in about, I want to say early 2000s, there was a book called The Rise of the Creative Class. And I want to say, it was, was it Richard Florida? I'm not sure, but I I'm can double sure. check it. But it was this book, The Rise of a Creative Class. In fact, they had a big thing down at Orchestra Hall where all these people from, from Detroit came in. And one of the things that he said was that in order for our older cities to come back to survive is that we had to embrace our creative class and part of that creative class was the creative and the diversity of our LGBTQ community. How important, you know, both of you have been doing this art thing, is it that now this time you're having this event and it's focusing on LGBTQ IA plus yeah. artist. <laughs> How important do you think that is? Is it has that been a missing piece in the art scene? Is it like a tipping point? Um, I I don't know if it's missing, but personally, I'm that generation. Um, 
I, when I went to school, um, I studied interior design, interior architecture at Wayne State. Sadly, every single one of my male classmates, I lost to AIDS. Mm-hmm. So it, this is kind of personal for me, and I don't think people understand the impact that that had on me. And it still, it still saddens me beyond belief to think those vibrant, beautiful young men were lost for what? I'm not, I still can't wrap my head around it. Mm-hmm. So um, to me, this show is extremely important. Does it fill a void? I don't know. I don't like to put it in a category like that. But Ronnie's right. What's interesting is when we opened up the call for entry, the immense amount of interest that we've had beyond our own little circle here. And so to me, that kind of breaks us out of like, we're not just regional. This, we can, our reputation can go national. And one thing I want to say about the Pontiac Creative Arts Center is we've got Detroit. That's a real hub. Mm-hmm. Then we've got Flint with the Flint Institute of Arts. And then the next, if you will, would be Saginaw with their art museum. In no way am I putting us as an art museum, but we we're, we need to be able to fill that void between Detroit and Flint. Mm-hmm. And so um, geographically, we're located in a great spot. Um, but... Um, when Ronnie, when I heard that he got the, was awarded the grant and he asked me to be the co-chair, I was just so honored and I'm like, yes, and I can bring a very um, interesting skill set to it, but I've been humbled too. And I just, um, I know that we're stressed and we get on each other's nerves, but ultimately <laughs> we want the exact same thing. And I've said to Ronnie from the very beginning, it's been my mantra, I want a beautiful deep robust show because to me that segment of people we just don't celebrate it enough and we just do not tap into their incredible talent so for me this is like very very important and um at least on my radar it's filling a void um Mm -hmm. i'm not aware of anything like that in this community and i think it harkens back to what we talked about earlier which is, you know, the arts are a universal language. And it's a place, um, this center is a place where people can come in that are curious about whatever it is we're offering Mm -hmm. and feel safe in exploring it and Mm -hmm. maybe grow from it, right? Mm -hmm. And be more open-minded about things. And in, in the current climate with divisiveness being discussed way more than mm-hmm. common qualities. Um, I think it's it's a, a very important um, exhibit to have. I do think, I thought it was, I thought that the community was underrepresented, um, especially I've just, ne- I've never really been to a LGBTQA focused art exhibit. I, mm-hmm. and, and the reality of, I had to think to myself, what does that even really mean? Is it just the artists are? Because I've been to exhibits, for example, like one year I think we had a Hispanic heritage exhibit here where the featured artist wasn't even Hispanic. Mm-hmm. And so, but he spent time, uh, I believe it was in Central America, and then he just loved it. He drew, he just had all these amazing pieces of mm-hmm. art. And I thought, you know, I, I'm sitting, I'm, I got to think outside the box too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, what really kind of surprised me, though, was just how much interest there was around it. Because I've had people everywhere tell me, 
I, I mean, I, I have been a little boastful, I guess, with <laughs> sharing the exhibit. Um, but I've had people that I work with, people that I had previously worked with. I've had random phone calls. I mean, yeah, I did get my information for people to reach out to me. Mm-hmm. But we've had, I mean, we had, a, I don't know, probably over 100 people from all over randomly reach out to us about something. Which is, it just tells me that clearly it's what people want. It's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a void that, that is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're getting um, people reaching out to you from out of state, mm-hmm. uh, I think that means that we've, uh, there's, a, there's a big need for it. And maybe other states are jealous that we're having something like this. I don't know. Kaleidoscope. <laughs> How did you come up with that name? What's the significance of that name, Kaleidoscope? I'm going to actually say uh, we have to thank Patricia for the name. Patricia came up with the name. Actually, I think uh, your husband is to be credited with it as <laughs> oh. well, right? Uh-huh. We bounced around a few we names. We bounced around a few names, and then um, I think I think Mike said I'd, I'd like to see that. And then um, we it's a kaleidoscope um, of expression, mm-hmm. and um, we've got a jury that's going to be during the um, – well, we've already made the final so, um, selection of the artists that are mm-hmm. going to be included, but uh, they will be awarding the prizes. And we're not doing first, second, and third. What we're doing is we are doing a prism uh, prize, we're doing a mosaic, and the spectrum prize. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. How did it sort of come about? I, I think, think I just think I think class books are pretty, so I guess. Yeah. They're, they're, and they, and they are. Unique. And they are, and they're yeah. always changing, and they're uh-huh. colorful, mm-hmm. and they're, they're, um, it's about form, and it takes everything around you and I think mixes the art, it up. The artwork that we chose to is, is very unique. The, our show is going to be extremely diverse. I mean, there's some. I'm surprised at some of the the pieces that were submitted. Mm-hmm. I, they shocked me. They're, they're. It's going to be a different kind of exhibit. Mm-hmm. So I would say have an open mind, open heart. Um, we've got a lot of amazing pieces. Um, okay, so give us the, the the down and dirty details. When is it? The address and the times. Yep. So it'll be October 12th. Mm-hmm. From 6 to 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. at the Pontiac Creative Arts Center in Pontiac, Michigan. Our address is 47 William Street, Pontiac, Michigan, 48341. Our website is www.pontiacarts.org. And uh, we're open uh, Wednesdays from 10 to 8. No, noon. Noon to 8. To eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fridays from 10 to 5. And Saturdays from ten to ten to two. <laughs> I I am a volunteer here, so I am here all the time. So I don't know what the actual working hours <laughs> so are. So I know the exhibit will be up. That's the big date. Correct. But will be people be able to see some of it afterwards? Yes. Okay. So the the opening reception will be on Saturday, October twelfth, and then it will run to the end of the month. Okay. And so we'll have three weeks approximately to come and view the exhibit. It's free. There's no cost to come mm-hmm. and view the exhibit. Um, we encourage everyone to come to the opening reception. We are anticipating a big crowd. Mm-hmm. We also have majority of the artists will be here, the oh, ones from out of state. That's what I was going to ask. Uh-huh. We'll possibly, if we can work it, maybe we'll be here electronically. Mm-hmm. We'll see if we can work that out. We're trying to enter 2019 here at the Art Center, and there are ways to mm-hmm. have people here without being here personally. Um, 
and uh, and we're really looking forward to it. Um, we're gonna have you here as well, <laughs> and and we're excited about you giving a presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll let you speak to that. Oh, that's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> that's a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I promise to keep my clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know, this has been really great. I love this space. I've been here a couple of times. I mean, and, and it is, when you talk about seeing the dancers, as you saw, as you said it, I could see that. And you've got, like, some drums up there on mm-hmm. the stage. And I can see this place really being alive. Um I want to thank the three of you for taking time to be with me today to talk about this and for keeping this dream alive. I mean, this has been going on a whole lot, and it just sort of shows if you don't give up and you just sort of keep hanging in there and doing it. And for bringing art to the community. And I uh, love what you said, their center. And that I hope that people not only from Pontiac, but from Oakland County, from this part of the state, recognize that this is their center and they come here i look forward to seeing all of you on october 12th capricorn cancer i want to thank today's guest from the pontiac creative arts center the exhibit pride the kaleidoscope of expressions has its grand opening saturday october 12th from 6 to 9 p.m and runs through october 26th Works from LGBTQ artists from around the state and across the country will be on display. Admission is free. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of the show on SoundCloud iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change. Right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.